Good morning. Welcome to the conclusion of our Future Family series. Uh, we're winding this down in this message this week, and of course, coming up on Friday is our Good Friday, our Good Friday services, uh, and I hope you make plans to be at one of those, one in Poughkeepsie and two uh, in our Hopewell campus, and, and then of course Easter, the real big main event. I hope everyone is making plans and getting tickets for themselves and, and their families. That's for adults and kids as well. Uh, if you would pick up some tickets, that'll really help us in managing the crowds and uh, we believe it's really going to be epic weekend uh, for the Valley family and we're really really excited and have some great things in store uh, for everyone on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday as well. But today we're concluding this this message series Future Family and uh, we're just kind of scratching the surface obviously in four different messages uh, just looking at family and how we can progress together as a family, grow together as a family, mom, dad, kids, blended families, in-laws, outlaws, grandparents, all of those things. And, and so that being said, in this last message, what I want to talk about is fighting the losing battle. Fighting the losing battle. Some of the greatest victories that we're going to win as our family, in our family is when we actually lose. And that'll make a whole lot more sense as we work our way through the message today. Uh, but, but specifically today, fighting the losing battle. And, and, and really, uh, what I want to talk to specifically and, 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 and really t- talk about today is what do we do? Uh, most of us, many of us in our families have that estranged family member. Uh, m- whether it's a child uh, if your kids are adults, uh, maybe it's a, maybe you're an adult and you're estranged from your parents. Uh, maybe it's a sibling. But, but so many of us, myself included, have some member of our family that our relationship is not anywhere close to what we wish it was. And, and maybe we're at fault. Maybe we feel like they're at fault. But I think what we're going to see here today is God wants us to kind of step up and begin to bridge that gap and reach out to that person in our family that really we're estranged from. And and the Bible gives us God's word, the scripture, some real practical ways of how to do that. And that's what I want to talk about today, fighting the losing battle. You know, the most destructive lie that, that you can ever tell yourself when it comes to family is, I don't care about them anymore. I, I don't care. I, I just don't care about them. I don't care what happens to them. That's the most destructive lie. You know, many of us, uh, it, w- we may even feel like, you know, I, I don't need my father. I don't need my mother. I don't need my brother or my sister. And, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. Because just by virtue of the fact that we think about them so much shows how much we still need them. It may be strong, very strong negative emotions, but it shows how much we really do need that relationship, particularly when it comes parent-child, child-parent relationships. And and so really, you may even feel like today that, uh, man, I just hate that person in my family. And hate's a strong word, but but sometimes we feel that. The, The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And, and there's a big difference. Hate, you know, just, you're just always thinking about them and all that, it just shows you still re- you really do love them. You may have been hurt emotionally. It may be incredibly painful. But the fact that 
they're so often on your mind shows you really do still care. If you didn't care, you'd never think about them. Nothing would ever remind you of them. There'd, there'd be no memory that haunts you. All those things show you still love. You still care. And, and so today I want to talk to uh, Christ followers, really, as I said, who have estranged moms and dads and sisters and brothers and sons and daughters, and particularly those who, whose moms and dads and siblings are still alive. Because I, I just, as I read the pages of scriptures, I think there's so much that God wants for us, so much more in our families. And, and I really believe this is, it comes down to fighting a battle, fighting the losing battle, where we lose ourselves, we swallow our pride, and we do what it is that Jesus did for you and me. And we step out, even though they may not want anything to do with us. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And, and I want to encourage you to begin or to continue the process of reconciliation. And that's what we're going to talk about. You can't make reconciliation happen, but you can open the door. And you can extend an invitation. You can put your best foot forward. And when we do that, you know what? We get closer and closer to wholeness and health in our family relationships. So that's what this losing battle is all about, and that's why it's worth fighting. That's why it's worth fighting for. And, and so today, primarily, we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians chapter five, and, and I, I just wanna work our way through that and really unpack what's being said there and apply it to our families. Now, specifically, it's not really applied specifically to our families. It's a broad principle that we're gonna look at today, but in our series, Future Family, we're applying it to our parent, child, sibling relationships, all right? So first of all, let's look at the motivation. Why even reconcile? Why not? You know, they don't want anything to do with me. They, they just did me wrong. They've hurt me so much. Why bother? What, what's the motivation? Why should I, Greg? Why should I try to make amends? Why, why should I try to bring restoration into that strained relationship? Well, that's the motivation. Let's look at it. Here's the reason why. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in, in verse 14, it says, For Christ's love compels us. There's the reason why. Not because of anything they did, but because of everything Jesus has done for me personally. It's got nothing to do with them. It's got everything to do with Jesus. That's the motivation. For Christ's love compels us. Christ's love motivates us. Christ's love uh, really this word compels is almost like controls. It, it, it's inside of us and we can't keep it in. It stirs us. It inspires us. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died, that's Jesus, for all. He died for every one of us. Everyone. He even died for your estranged family member that did you wrong. Jesus died for them. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. All died. When we realize how much Christ loves us, not because we're good, but in spite of the fact we're bad. That Jesus loves us, he died for us, not because of anything we did, but in spite of everything we did. 
because we don't deserve it at all. When we compare what we've experienced to what Jesus went through for you and for me in spite of our sin, in spite of our rejection of God, that's the framework for restoration. That's the matrix, if you will, that we should view restoration through. And then he goes on in verse 15 and says, and he died for all that those who live should no longer, watch this now, live for themselves. Now it's getting personal. Now it's, getting, now, now it's up in Greg's grill. Because the scripture says here, he died for all, that those who live, that's me, that's you, should no longer, no longer live for ourselves. We're no longer living to please ourselves we're no longer living keeping score of this one did this to me, this one did that to me, this one hurt me, I'm a victim here, this one offended me. That's living for ourselves, and that's not what we're supposed to do. No longer to live for ourselves, but for who? For him, Jesus, who died for them and was raised again. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ that we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him instead. We live for him again. We live for him instead. We live to please Jesus. We live to put a smile on his face. Because of Jesus Christ, God loves us. He accepts us, not because we were good, but in spite of the fact we were bad. God loves us now because of what Christ did. And we're to live to put a smile on his face. In fact, kind of related to this passage that we're looking at here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, is Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, the same idea. And let's look at that. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. Boy, this is is an awesome verse to think about coming up on Good Friday especially. As a follower of Jesus Christ. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's not Greg, but it's Christ that lives in me. He paid the price for my sins. He laid his life down. He sacrificed himself for my sins. So I don't live for myself any longer. I live for Christ. It's no longer, uh, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, how? By trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I trust what Jesus tells me to do over what my personal feelings are that my family member hurt. The expectations I had of my father, my mother, my siblings, my son, my daughter, and they let me down. I was counting on them, and they let me down, and they abandoned me. So I live this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me, and he gave himself for me. Why? Because my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. So that's the motivation. That's why we need to seek reconciliation. 
because, not because of what they've done, in spite of what they've done. Just like God did through, by sending his son, Jesus Christ, that we're going to celebrate on Good Friday, his sacrifice. He died not because of the stuff that we did, that we deserved it, in spite of it. There's nothing we did to deserve his sacrifice. So that's the motivation. Let's look at his example. Let's look at the example. The next, as we move through this passage in 2 Corinthians, it's so practical for our estranged family members. The example. Let's follow Christ's example. Look at verse uh, 18. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, as a follower of Christ, this is my job. And where else does it start than with our family members? This is my job. This is your job. All this is from God, who did what? He reconciled us to himself. That word uh, reconciled is interesting. In, in, in the original language, that word reconciled, in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, it means to reestablish a proper, friendly, personal relationship that has been strained or completely disconnected. That's what God did for us. He reestablished a proper, friendly, interpersonal relationship after things had been disrupted and broken because of my sin and your personal sin. This is from God who reconciled, reestablished a friendly interpersonal relationship. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of what? Reestablishing friendly interpersonal relationships with those that are close to us. That's the ministry of reconciliation. That's our job. That's, that's what God's saying, come on, Greg, you can do this. Follow the example of Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus. There was a conflict between God and us. God, not us, went to work to resolve that conflict. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is all about. One person goes to work, takes the step in order to resolve the conflict. That's what God did for you. And that's what God did for me through Jesus Christ. And this is the same exact ministry that he's given to every one of his followers. Every Christian, every believer in Jesus Christ, we've now been given the ministry of reconciliation as well. He went to work on our behalf. So let me just quickly give you kind of the process of what this looks like, the process of restoration, this example that we can see it in Jesus, uh, in, in God sending his son, and we also can see this as an example that we're to follow as well in this ministry of reconciliation. So here's the process. Generally, just, just, just four steps here uh, that generally give you an idea of, of what restoration looks like and why. The first is there's a disruption of the relationship. There's a disruption in the relationship. That's what happened with sin, that because of my personal sin, there was a disruption in the relationship. There was a break in the relationship between myself and God. Every single one of us. The Bible says we were born in sin. We were born in iniquity. And so the relationship's broken, even at the point of birth. And so what's the next step? Number two, presumed 
or a real offense or irritation. There's a presumed, sometimes in our interpersonal relationship, there's a presumed or, 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 or kind of uh, perceived offense. It may not be real. Maybe it is very real, no doubt about it. With our relationship with God, it was not presumed or perceived. It was real. Sin destroyed the relationship between the children of God and God. Completely broke it, made it snap. Our sin did. So there's a presumed or real offense or irritation. And then the third step, obvious action designed to remove hostility. Someone has to take an obvious action in order to remove hostility. That's what God did through sending his son, Jesus Christ. What more of an obvious action than that, than God the Father turning to his son and saying, go down there, become like my children. Live among them, walk among be dependent upon them. And then lay your life down and sacrifice yourself. Obvious action designed to remove the hostility. That's why God sent his son. And we're the most like Jesus when there's been a break in the relationship as well. And because we realize God's given us this ministry of reconciliation, when you and I take an obvious action designed to remove the hostility in the relationship we have with another family member. Then here's the fourth thing. Restoration of original friendly relationships. And, and, and I think that's so important. Civil relationship, friendly relationship. You know, sometimes the relationship has been fractured so much, it's never going to be like, you know, parent to child, like as if it never happened. But it can be friendly. It can be civil. It doesn't have to be toxic any longer. And so this is just, this is what God did for you and I. This is the ministry of reconciliation and restoration as well. Just real simple in four steps, very generally put. And let's go back now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18 and, and, and go a little bit further. Look at what it says. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at the next verse. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. It's the only way you can reconcile. I don't know about you. I don't want God to count my sins against me. But I count other people's sins against them all the time. And you know what the Bible, or you know what our culture would call that? A hypocrite. We want others to treat us differently than we treat. We want to be treated differently than we treat others. And God says, that's not the plan. I've given you the ministry of reconciliation to follow the example that Jesus set. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. It's not because we were good. It's in spite of the fact we were bad. He reconciled us. He restored us. And he has committed to us, that's you and me, the message of reconciliation. He has entrusted it into our care, into my hands and your hands as well. Through Christ, 
God removed every obstacle to our reconciliation, watch this now, except us. It's still up to you. It's still up to me. If we were going to receive God's forgiveness, God's reconciliation. But he removed every obstacle through the cross of Jesus Christ. Through sending Jesus Christ to his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection from the dead. God removed every obstacle. And that's what the ministry of reconciliation is. I'm gonna remove every obstacle between me and my family member that's standing in the way of our relationship. I'm going to make that obvious action designed to remove hostility. That's the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation and restoration is not passive. Thank God Jesus was not passive, but he took action, and he said, I'll go. I'll be born. I'll live. I'll die. I'll rise again to restore the relationship that had been fractured. I'll remove every obstacle. None of this has to do with pretending. When we talk about restoration, it's not pretending like nothing happened. If it's pretending as if nothing happened, Jesus never would have come. It's looking full in the face of the hurt, of the offense, of the fracture, of the pain, and recognizing in spite of that, I'm going to take the step. I'm going to remove every obstacle so that there can be restoration in the relationship. Taking all those things into account but not allowing sin to continue to be the obstacle of the relationship, that's what God did for you and I through sending his son Jesus Christ. Our sins no longer have any bearing on our acceptance by God. And that's the ministry of reconciliation that God wants us to model in our earthly relationships with our family. That our family's shortcomings, our family's sins, our family's expectations, our expectations that our families didn't meet, that we're not holding them against them any longer. Just like God is not holding our sins against us any longer as well. God decided to not let the fact that we didn't even want to be reconciled to him get in the way of reconciliation. Let me just say that again. God decided not to let the fact that you and I didn't even want to be reconciled to him get in the way of his reconciliation, the action that he took. And so, that's the motivation, that's the example in Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ compels us, the example, he showed us, he did it. Now let's look at the assignment. Now let's go a little bit deeper on this whole ministry of reconciliation. This is pretty interesting, and, and I've preached this, this, this verse a number of times over the years and, and, and dug down real deep in it this time and, and discovered something I never knew about this passage. Look at verse 20 of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. We are therefore, because of this ministry of reconciliation that's been given to you and me, we are therefore ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, 
be reconciled to God. Now, this word ambassadors is pretty interesting, and this is what I discovered. I always thought that ambassadors was the way that we see ambassadors work in our world today. That it's like, uh, as the United States, we have almost every nation an ambassador to every nation, and he's kind of like the United States representative in that nation. But when the New Testament was written in a Roman Empire context, that's not what that word meant at all. And this is pretty cool. Just hang with me. Let me explain a little bit of the culture here because this, this means a whole lot more than what we would see this word ambassador meaning in the 21st century today. In the Roman Empire, there were two kinds of provinces, senatorial provinces and imperial provinces. A senatorial province was made up of people, watch this now, who were peaceful and not at war with Rome. They had surrendered and completely submitted to the government of Rome. But an imperial province was not a peaceful province. An imperial province was dangerous because at any moment, the government of Rome felt like the people could turn and rebel against the government. This was an imperial province. It was necessary for Rome to send what they called ambassadors into hostile providences, into hostile places, imperial provinces, to make sure that the rebellion did not break out. Since Christians in this world are ambassadors of Christ, this means that the world is in rebellion against God. This world is an imperial province from God's perspective as far as he's concerned. And he has sent you and me as his ambassadors in the world to declare peace in our relationships, no longer hostility, no longer war. Wow. I I can't even tell you how many hundreds of times I've read this verse, and, and as I said, preached on it many times, and never realized that about that context. That that word ambassador means, that's what it means. That's how we are an ambassador. When we take a step in a relationship that is hostile, a family relationship for the sake of our study today. Someone who's hostile toward us. A father, a mother, a sibling, a son or a daughter. And we act like Christ as an ambassador. As though God were making his appeal through us We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So that's what the assignment really is. That's the assignment. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge for us today, putting feet on this as we walk out of here. Let me just make it clear what reconciliation is about. The goal of reconciliation is a relationship characterized by acceptance. Despite past offenses, and also despite current differences. Reconciliation keeps you honest emotionally and it prevents old dysfunctions from invading new relationships. Listen, there's a member of my family that I'm estranged from. One of my siblings that, that, uh, that, that, that did some things that, that were really wrong. And boy, I could show you chapter and verse 
I, 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 could, I could name the verses. I could point out. I've got the list of grievances. But that's not what God's called me to do as a follower of Christ. And, and so what I, I want to challenge you to do this week is what I'm challenged myself to do is to reach out not because of what they've done, but in spite of what they've done. To be like Jesus. To, to be an ambassador. To bring peace in the middle of a relationship that's hostile in my family. A and to begin to lean in their direction once again. This is the ministry of reconciliation that God's entrusted into our care. So let me ask you this question today. Who keeps coming to your mind the whole time I've been talking? Who is it right now in the awkwardness of this moment you can't get out of your mind? I believe that's God speaking to you. Because I know as I was preparing this message, God was speaking to me big time in my heart. About whom do you tell yourself and your family, I don't care, I don't need them anymore. I don't need them. I believe that tension that you feel right now is at the heart of what God wants to do next in your life and in my life as well. Listen, I'm not talking about getting back into an abusive or a dangerous relationship. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is following the example of Jesus to just make that relationship friendly instead of enemies, instead of adversarial. To be an ambassador of Christ and to recognize he's entrusted me with this ministry of reconciliation. I'm talking about doing for someone else what God through Jesus Christ did for you and did for me. God set all the grievances on the table aside. And instead, he set a table for us. And he sent an invitation through his son, Jesus. And that's what he's asking you and I to do as well. Listen, there are no guarantees here. But this is a losing battle worth fighting. As we really die to ourselves, And we do this in the power of the Holy Spirit following the motivation the love of Christ compels us following the example of Jesus Christ reconciling us to God when we didn't care anything about him following this assignment of being an ambassador for Jesus Christ first and foremost with our family members there's no guarantees but this is what our Heavenly Father did for us. And, and, and I'll just say this, I've reached out before. I've tried to bridge this gap. And I've felt really good for about the last year and a half being really, really passive in this particular relationship with one of my siblings. And after reading the pages of Scripture that we're looking at here today, that's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. 
And so I'm, I'm challenging all of you to do what I'm going to be doing this week. And, and I'll just put it this way in the form of a question that we can take home with us today. What can you do this week to open a door, to extend a hand, or to lean in the direction of that person in your family? Not because of what they've done, but in spite of what they've done. And following Christ's example and be an example. Be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. What can you do this week to open a door, extend a hand, or lean in the direction of that person? Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus Christ to die for us. And Lord, that you have given us this ministry of reconciliation. The motivation is not because of what someone has done, but in spite of what they've done, because the love of Jesus Christ on the inside of us compels us. It motivates us. It stirs us in this ministry of reconciliation. Help us, Father, by your Holy Spirit this week. This week as we celebrate the sacrifice of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, on Good Friday. And then celebrate his resurrection from the dead on Sunday. Lord, help us to open the door, to extend the hand, to lean in the direction of that family member who's been estranged not because they've made it right, but in spite of what they've done, that we can be reconciled and seek restoration, that our relationship once again would be friendly and we'd remove every roadblock in the relationship, every obstacle, just like you did for each and every one of us through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen.